Good morning. It's good to be with you all this morning. Um, The verses that we're going to look at more closely today are verses 8 to 10 of that passage that you just heard. And I'm going to read it again. I want to give you a little bit of a backdrop because the Holy Spirit. Yep. So when I came here this morning, I had no sermon. (laughs) I mean, I had a sermon. I wrote a sermon, but the sermon vanished. (laughs) So in the midst of like trying to do the conversion where I, you know, I write and then I do it, send it to a PDF. It just went away. So often when we pray, I pray this a lot. When I pray for someone who's going to preach, I'll pray, you know, Lord, let the words fall away from the page. (laughs) I was like, Oh, is that what that would look like? If the words fell away from the page. So they fell away. Um, my husband who is like, he, he has never met a, impossible that he didn't face down and say, aha, you're a lie. So he came here and he like did whatever he did. He found it on my, um, on my iPad. But I will say that in that, in the space between whelp, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to grab the mic and talk, um, in the space between that. And thank God I have a sermon, uh, the Holy spirit absolutely showed me some stuff that needs to fall from the page. So I like, I counted all joy and I know that truly the Lord does all things well. So this morning, um, if you have had an opportunity to look at your bulletin, you've seen that the title of my message is a holy, if then statement, a holy, if then statement. So often, um, when we come to any kind of biblical text, you and I, we bring with us assumptions. And the things that we believe about the world, about ourselves, about um, the Lord, all of that stuff shapes the way that we read scripture and the way that we understand it. And of course, this is a a, a cyclical process, right? So we read scripture and we, um, we attend church and we live in community. And then that shapes the way that we understand who God is. And then that shapes the way that we read scripture. So it's always this back and forth, but we have a particular lens when we read the text. And I think that that lens shapes the way we understand God. So I'm going to tell you my lens. There are um, a few assumptions that I have whenever I approach a biblical text. The first is that the same God who created the earth and said it was good. That same God is the one who so loved the world that he created that he sent his one and only son to die for it. And so I always approach scripture believing first and foremost that God loves us. (laughs) And that sounds like a simple statement, but I've had to learn how to approach scripture, believing first and foremost, that God loves us and not first and foremost, that God's main point, God's main desire, God's main thing is that we just be right and get it right. Two very different assumptions. So the same God who created heaven and earth and created you and me and all of the things and said it was good, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for us. The second assumption that I bring to scripture is that that God is the same God, (laughs) that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. There was a a heresy in the second century uh, from a guy named Marcion. It was uh, Marcionism. And the heresy was that that there were two gods. When you read the Bible, the God of the Old Testament, right? That was a God of wrath and judgment. 
That was not the same God of the New Testament who sent Jesus Christ. That God was a God of love. Now, it was heresy, right? So that we don't believe that anymore as an official doctrine of the church. And yet, because <laughs> I would dare say <laughs> that some of us bring that assumption to the text when we read it, right? There are some people who don't even mess with the Old Testament. Like they, like, they might have a good psalm that they like, one or two verses from a prophet, and beyond that, they don't, they don't touch the Old Testament because they're like, I don't really know what to do with that. And so, like, my God is Jesus, right? So we, that's not what we believe as a church, and that is an assumption that I have come to, to know to be true, that it's the same God. So that God created the world, created you and me, said it was good, sent his son to die for us because he loves us so much. That's the same God. So those are important assumptions when we read this passage. <laughs> so last week, Pastor David preached on this, on the first verses, the first seven, I'm eight to ten. Yes, yeah, so the first seven verses of this text. And one of the things that he said is that, that, the people in this passage, and I dare say you and me, we often will approach God as though the relationship we have with him is transactional. If I do this, if I'm a fast, cause I can get God to do this. That becomes really important when we're in the, in the middle of our little building search, right? This notion that somehow we can do a thing, can manipulate God. We can, if we behave this way, then we can get God to do whatever it is we want God to do. And we see that in the text. That's what the people had done. They were fasting in a way that they wanted to fast. They had turned over their plates, put on sackcloth and ash, done all of the things. Because in their mind, they thought, if we do this, we can get God to do what we want God to do. To bless us in the way that we have determined blessing should look like. And because I know my my third assumption is that human beings ain't changed that much. (laughs) So the things they wanted God to do, probably the same things that we want God to do. The way they understood what it looked like and felt like to be blessed probably looked a lot like what we think it looks like and feels like to be blessed. We'll have more stuff. Things will go the way that we want them to go. The things that we determine are good and right and that we should have, well, God will agree and give it to us. This idea that our relationship with God is transactional. So this morning, I want us to focus on the, on a thing that sits right next to that. And that is this idea that God's feelings towards us, God's love, God's promises are conditional. A holy if then statement is the title of my sermon. You and I often approach the text and we approach our heavenly father as though he is one who sits on high. And looks down low and says, if you do right, then you will be worthy of my love. If you live just exactly the way I told you to live, if you don't make a whole lot of mistakes, if you don't turn to the left or to the right, if you, if you do what I want you to do, then you will be accepted and you will be loved and you will be blessed. We sometimes approach the Lord as though our relationship with him is conditional. So let's look at these verses. And I want to, um, I want to show you what that looks like. 
in terms of how we understand and interpret a text. So in verse is eight to 10, beginning with verse eight, it reads, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will click quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the, the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. So depending on the assumptions you bring to the text, when you read this, it absolutely sounds like it's coming from a, a God whose love is in fact conditional. If you do these things, and the, the, the thing is in this text is true fasting, a fasting that takes care of the poor and the oppressed. So if you do that, then all of these things will happen. When you call me, I'll hear you and you'll be healed and your light will go forth like the dawn. If you assume that God, that his love towards us, that our relationship with him is conditional, that's how you will understand these verses. But if you have a different set of assumptions, you focus on a different part of these verses. So like I mentioned, I bring to the text the assumption that our God is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. And so if he has promised that he will never forsake us, that his love is something we can't get away from, that it's higher, bigger, wider than we could ever even fathom, if that's true, then it can't possibly be the case that what God intends to say in these verses is if you all get your acts together and behave a particular kind of way, then you'll get all the things that I promised. That can't be true. See, when we don't assume that, we focus on a different thing. The way you and I will often read these verses is, is if you just do this, then it'll all be good for you. If you engage in true fasting, then you will call on the Lord and I'll hear you. But I want to suggest to you today that the focus of that, the then part of the if, <laughs> is not what God will do, but what we will do. If you engage in true fasting, then you will call on the Lord. If you engage in true fasting, if you see the world the way I see it, if you understand my heart of justice, if you care for the poor, if you care for the needy, then you will call on the name of the Lord because you will quickly recognize that you can't do any of that in your own strength. You will quickly recognize that you absolutely need me, that you are dependent on me. Then you will call on the name of the Lord. And I will, of course, answer. <laughs> Because see, my ear is always attuned to you when you call. The issue is not whether or not God hears us. The issue is not whether or not God will listen or respond. The issue is not whether or not God desires to heal us. The will we call on the name of the Lord? Are we moving through this world believing that really what's necessary is our best plan, strategies, hopes, and dreams? Or do we know that we are absolutely dependent on God. If you do these things, 
then you will see that you need me. See, I am of the belief that God's posture towards us is one of constantly pursuing our hearts. That his desire for us is that we would more and more and more and more and more and more look like him. That we would know that we need him. That we would lack nothing and we would recognize when we feel broken and without that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I've been going in, in my own strength. That his heart for us is to know him and to know his heart for us. And so all of the things, the whole point of it all, it's not that we be perfect people. It's not that we always be right, that we always get, because that's not possible. The point is that our hearts more and more long for our God. The, the point is that our hearts more and more desperately cry out to the God who loves us. And that we then trust him. To be the one who is working all things together for our good. That is the then of the if statement. True fasting, living in ways that are just and that are according to God's heart of righteousness. Living in ways that see brokenness, that are willing to see brokenness will always lead us to call out to God and to recognize our dependency on God. It will always turn us away from our best plans, our best strategies, or if we get, just get it like this and it'll happen like that. I, so pre- preparing this sermon, thinking about our, our building, uh, some of you all, how many folks stuck around last week for the, for the informational? Right. So the, the phrase that was used was cold water being thrown on us. Every time the numbers were said, like, it feels like, oh, Lord. So there is a way, right, that <laughs> it doesn't make sense at all for this to be a thing that we think we can do. <laughs> because the numbers are what they are. <laughs> and yet... We feel like we are called to do it. It will be tempting for us to slip into this posture of, well, if we do X, Y, or Z, if we make the right contacts with the right people, if we find the right opportunities for the right grants, if we show up on Friday mornings and we pray, um, if we fast, and maybe some of y'all who are real holy, if we go and walk around the building seven times, like if we do all these different things, right, then the end result will be that God is going to give us this building. And it'll be because, you know, we, we met the conditions. We, we fit the right, if then we did all, nah, that's just not it. I dare say to you, much as I want a building, and I would like that building. I mean, you know, I want whatever God has for us. That is not the point. The point of the, because if that, God could just put us in a building. 
I do believe that. I'm the foolish one who actually believes that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. I'm like, I mean, why not? It's an A. <laughs> like, you, God could just put us in a building. That's just not the point. It's not the point of life ever. The end result that you and I desire, it's not the point. The point is what happens along the way. The point is that in this process, we're going to see that we need God. We're going to learn more about ourselves as a community of people, and we're going to learn more about our, our, the God that we serve through this journey whether or not we end up in saint ambrose the point is for us to be here right now doing something that seems impossible because we are leaning into the god who says hey look (laughs) i can do all things (laughs) that's the point it's not a thing that we just have to endure until we get to where we're trying to get that is the point that is always what god is doing Until we get on the other side of glory, the point will be to make us more like him. And the way that happens is for us to be brought to places where we see that we need God. If if you engage in the kind of fast that I have put forward, if you live in the kinds of ways that I have called you to live, if you let your heart be broken for the things that breaks my heart, then you will call on the name of the Lord. And when you call on the name of the Lord, because God is who God is, when we call on the name of the Lord, God always answers. God always shows up. God always moves in ways that are just undeniably good and undeniably God. Cause that is just what God does. Cause that's just who God is. So I don't know about you, but I get excited about that kind of if then statement. <laughs> I get excited to see what God will do in the spaces where I feel lack, in the spaces where I feel empty, in the spaces where I feel broken. When I look out at this world and it just seems darker and darker and darker every day, my hope is in the God who says that I am making all things new. And I get excited to behold it springing forth in the earth. Because that's just who that God is. So there's one last thing that I want to leave you with. So often when we, um, when we read scripture, when we, um, when we think about anything, right? We have this way of making everything spiritual, right? And I mean, everything, it, it, things are spiritual, right? Amen. But there's some stuff that just is practical, So when we look at this passage in in the context of this, what this true fasting was about, right? The the fast that God says he was about was one that loosed the, the, the chains of the oppressed, that made sure the hungry were fed. Here's a practical thing. If we eat less, if the if they ate less, other people would have more food to eat, right? Like that was real practical, right? Like if you 
fast, if they were fasting, if those who had the option to say the food that I have access to, I am not going to eat. They couldn't just say, well, we'll just store it and it'll last forever until we're done fast. No, it had to go somewhere, right? So there'd be more for other people. What, What is the point that I'm getting at? We often can believe that the things that God calls us to, right? That, that, that those small little steps that God leads us to take, that they don't really matter in the long run, right? So I, you all know, many of you know, if, if you've been coming to this church for a while, you know, I, I'm a vegan. I get became, I'm not make. you don't have to be, I have, feel like I always have to say this. <laughs> you, you do not have to be vegan. That is not the point of this message, but I am vegan. And the reason that I am vegan um, is because I felt, a strong conviction from the Lord. Like I was convicted to give up meat. Um, I had already felt a conviction about that. And I was a vegetarian. And then I learned about the dairy industry and literally the Holy spirit broke my heart. And so that's why I'm a vegan. Now, again, I'm not saying that that's your testimony. You live your lives. Um, but that is what the Lord called me to right? a small thing. I'm one human being in a, doing a simple thing that God called me to. It is easy to believe that me deciding to obey the Lord and become a vegan, that that doesn't really, that's not going to actually impact climate change. It's not going to actually, you know, do anything to, to, to fix the factory farming system. Like it's just this one little thing. And here's the danger of that. When we believe that, then it becomes really easy to just decide, well, so what's the point in me doing anything at all? What I see in this passage The then part, the the part that is in God's hands. It is not that you and I have to come up with the best strategies to fix all things wrong in the world. That is absolutely not what we have been called to. What we get called to are small little steps of obedience. Just do this thing. You don't have to do it all. You don't even need to know how it all is going to come together. But can you just do this thing? And see, if I just do this thing and you just do the thing God called you to, and then you do the thing God called you to, all of a sudden God is taking some stuff and he is moving and he is working. And we are like, whoa, look at that. When I became a vegan, I couldn't eat anywhere. <laughs> Nowhere. I remember going on a road trip and was like, well, maybe I'll just bake some potatoes. I know Wendy's has potatoes, right? Like, nowhere. Now, I can eat a whole lot of places because a whole lot of small people decided, I'm just going to do one thing. I'm going to take this little step, right? Our point, our goal, our job, right? It isn't to try to make it happen. It's literally to call on the name of the Lord, to do the thing God tells us to do, to trust that he is the one who is working all things together for our good. So the good news is that we are not in a relationship with a God whose love for us is transactional or conditional. We are in relationship with a God who sees us as his beloved and whose heart and desire is to just be closer to us, for us to know him and for him to know us. That's it. And all you and I have to do, all you and I have to do on this side of glory is lean in to that love. We get to just breathe. And lean in to that love. 
trusting that God will direct our paths and order our steps. Trusting that the God who created heaven and earth and all of creation and said it was good. It's the same God who so loved and continues to love the world he created. And he is making all things new. Pray with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you. I thank you because you are the God who has invited us to take on your yoke that is easy and light. I thank you that you are a God who has promised to always attune your ear to us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are God who is pursuing us and who is calling us and who is regularly beckoning us to look up and see you, to call on the name of the Lord, to believe that you are God, to know that you are near, that you are always with us, that you will never leave us or forsake us, and that you care for us. I thank you that that is the kind of God we serve. Lord, I am praying that more and more, especially as we are in this season where you have invited us to do something that is so beyond our ability, that we can't even delude ourselves into thinking that this is something we can do. I thank you, Lord, for every way you will show us who you are. I thank you for every way that you will make us to look more like Jesus Christ in this process. I thank you for the relationships that will be built birthed through suffering together and praying together and laughing together and worrying together and all the stuff that we get to do together. I thank you, God, that you are the kind of God that regularly invites your children into spaces that will cause us to call on your name. Thank you for not leaving us like we are. And so, Lord, I do pray that you would breathe freedom over us for all of the ways that we have believed the lie that your love is conditional, for all of the ways that we have believed the lie that we can manipulate you to do something and be something that is other than who you are and what you have already intended to do. God, I pray that you would deliver us from that lie. I ask that you would make it clear whenever it rises up, Lord Jesus, that you would show us exactly what it is. And that you would once again reorient us and root our feet on the truth of your firm foundation, which is your love for us. So thank you for being good and kind and faithful. Thank you for inviting us to taste and see that the Lord is good. In the name of Jesus. Amen.